unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Nathan. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. And I just went back and re-listened to last week's episode, and that was such a fun episode to listen to. Yeah, Richard's a good friend. He's in the mastermind group that I'm in. And uh, I saw him the other day and said, hey, why don't you come on the podcast? I know you've got some stories to tell. And boy, did he, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it might have been a little bit off topic for some of the stuff that we cover, but the stories, man, you can learn a lot about storytelling from that episode as well. Oh, yeah. He's a great storyteller for sure. Nice. So what do we got lined up for the listeners this week? Well, it's called Billionaire Business Secrets. And this is going to be a little different from all the billionaire business secrets stuff you hear. Uh, I'll just jump into it. Sarah. Sarah's dad was a lawyer. After Sarah finished college, she wanted to go to law school, but her legal SAT scores weren't good enough. Then she tried stand-up comedy, but that didn't catch fire. So she became a billionaire instead. (laughs) The youngest woman billionaire ever, according to Forbes magazine in 2009. A few weeks ago, I saw Sarah. Her full name is Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx, and she had a class on entrepreneurship on masterclass.com. I was curious about that, so I watched a few sessions. And not only was it the best program on business I've ever seen on Masterclass, but I would say it's also the best program for copywriters and entrepreneurs I've ever seen by a big name in business. Sarah Blakely is a gifted teacher as well as a standout entrepreneur. I picked three lessons from the treasure trove of suggestions and ideas that made up her class. The reason I picked each one is that it would help copywriters and business owners. And two of the three things we haven't talked about that much on this podcast. But everything she had to say was unique, valuable, and interesting. And here's one thing she didn't say, but I think is quite interesting. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So here's something really ironic about Sarah Blakely. She said right on her master class that for the first 16 years of business, she didn't do any advertising. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. So why are we devoting an entire show to her? Here's why. What she did do to get the business up and running and what she continues to do on a daily basis, those things are so valuable that they really transcend copywriting and spending money on ads. They are exactly like what we do. They're the core essence of copywriting and 
marketing, which is to get and keep customers. And it's stuff that translates. It's also nice to get real-world advice from someone who's actually running a huge business and built it from scratch, rather than from people who make their livings running around, sharing their theories about how the world might work, and then making their living doing live seminars. In contrast, Sarah's making her living serving customers and innovating new products for her business. So let's get into her wisdom. We got three tips. Here's the first one. The first one is protect your mindset. Okay. Sarah mentioned that when she came up with the original idea for her business, she kept it to herself for a year. She didn't tell anyone. Think about that. She didn't tell anyone about her business idea for a full year. She would work on it nights and weekends. And when people said, what are you doing? She'd say, oh, I'm, I'm just working on an idea. She wouldn't tell them. Why did she do this? Because intuitively, she knew that even people who cared about her would try to knock the idea down because it was a new idea. Her original idea, by the way, was, and I'm oversimplifying this, and I don't know much about the subject, but it was to cut off pantyhose at the knees so women would have underwear that was more comfortable than what was currently available. And they would also have something they could wear underneath white pants and go to a party and the underwear wouldn't show. No visible panty line. Okay. Took her a long time to actually develop a product that would work that she could patent. And she did. And she wanted to protect her mindset along the way. Before she told anyone, she waited until she felt that strong criticism would not dissuade her, that she could stand up to it, and she could share it with people and not be discouraged. Now, I learned the same lesson myself. I haven't built a billion-dollar women's underwear, breakthrough women's underwear business, or any underwear business, <laughs> but I learned the same lesson myself in my own life. I remember when I came out with my first book, Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. I was very proud of it. And I offered a copy to my mother. And she was hostile, and she rejected it. She informed me that it was not a real book. Now, understand, many copywriters in a Inc. 500 entrepreneur had told me the book was a lifesaver to them. Um, so I knew the book was worth something to the right people. Still, I didn't take the rejection from my mother very well. Over the years, I've learned not to talk about my creative ideas and unconventional accomplishments with quote-unquote civilian. Here's why. It's challenging enough to run your business when customers are happy and everything is going well. I decided it's better only to share with people who are likely to understand it. Whether they support it or not, it's not that I can't handle criticism. It's that I don't want to take the time and the bandwidth to deal with uninformed criticism. And there's a difference. When someone understands what you're up to, they're much more likely to be offering you constructive criticism. People who don't understand are either trying to tear you down because they're afraid of what you're doing, or maybe out of a misplaced effort to protect you. 
But in any case, it's not helpful. It's destructive criticism. Okay, so if you accept that, then you have a question probably. Who do you talk to? You, you can't be like a cone of silence. You can't live in a cone of silence about your ideas. It gets pretty lonely being the only pioneer in the forest. And I think there are many solutions. I know of one that I've found to be the best, and that's a mastermind group where there are clear rules to make any criticism supportive and not to be randomly critical. And you have people, hopefully, who are more experienced in some aspects of business than you are, and maybe you've got some special talent where you're more experienced or skilled in something than they are, so you can contribute too. Um, we talked about masterminds a couple of shows ago when Standall was here. In any case, protect your mindset as a copywriter and protect your mindset as a business owner. Your mindset is more precious and more valuable than you could ever realize in advance. Nathan, uh, what are your thoughts about that? You know, every single thought that I had, you brought it up exactly like three three seconds after I was like, oh, I can interject with this. Oh, wait, David's already going there. So you pretty much covered everything that I had to say. Well, what about your own personal experience? So I know you've started a lot of businesses. You've had some challenges. Uh, have you learned what to share and what not to share and who to share it with over time? I know you're in a mastermind with Brett and some other people. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm not as protective over my ideas anymore because I've just learned to not really care what the plebs think. I mean, I, I know that might come off as elitist, but I've learned these lessons. The people that care about you will try and tear those ideas down because they're afraid that you might fall on your face. You just have to learn to live with that. People who are jealous of you will tear your ideas down because their own insecurities cause them to do it. Um, masterminds, that's, that's where I get most of my support. I love the idea of mastermind groups. And um, I've just gotten to the point where I put ideas out there and the people that gravitate to those ideas are going to be the supporters and the people that tear those ideas down are the people that I just don't worry about what their opinion is. Well, maybe I'm just more sensitive than you are. Um, but any, anyway, I, I don't think that's true at all. I think you've just learned to deal with it well. Okay, that's, that's great. So let's get to the second tip from Sarah, um, which is to create big ideas after you protect your mindset. Sarah admits that she takes idea creation very seriously. And I understand she's running a business about $300 million. She's got a net worth of over a billion dollars. And yet she's still working on creating ideas and she devotes time every day to doing it. She says on the masterclass video that she only lives six minutes away by car from Spanx headquarters in Atlanta, but she will drive around for an hour or two on her way to work with the radio on so she can have some think time. An hour. She, she'll wander around different neighborhoods just so that she can have some time alone. And, you know, here's the thing. Her ideas with little money behind them at the start and no expertise to think of have propelled her into the ranks of billionaires. So I would say she has a pretty good idea of how important having alone time is to develop ideas. Now, it's the same for everyone else, especially for copywriters who have to come up with big ideas for promotions or even a description of a mechanism or even bullet points or even a lead. 
even the way you present your offer. Now, there may be people who can do this when they're with other people, but I don't know of anyone like that. And I do know that some of the most successful professional writers around spend about three hours a day writing and some of the rest of the time alone. For example, Jim Patterson, who's, uh, you know, James Patterson is a very successful, very, very successful novelist. He said in a different masterclass that he writes about three hours a day, and then he spends some of the rest of his time knocking a golf ball around in a private course in his backyard. Another top novelist says he only writes about three hours a day, but he does it 365 days a year. And he hasn't said so directly, but I, I think he gets high um, during the rest of some of the time. He's hinted at that, but never when he's writing. I know an A-list copywriter, another person, very reclusive guy. He only writes about three hours a day. And he hasn't, he's very reclusive. He hasn't told me what he does with the rest of his time. Sarah mentioned in their video that Einstein gets his best ideas shaving. And the point here is, not that there's a specific way to do it, that you need to find out what works for you. I mean, Gary Halbert said that he needed to go outside and, and, and be surrounded by people in order for him to get his ideas. So I, I did know him. He's not with us anymore. So I guess there is one person I know is different, but most people, not, not that way. Now, the point is you need to find out what works for you, whether it's being alone, which I think is the case for most people, or whether it's being around people, ideas will come if you let them. And here's something really important. You'll get more and better ideas if you record all of them in writing or on an audio recorder, some way that you can retrieve them, whatever works best for you. Finally, I want to mention a quote from one of the great innovators of the 20th century, Carl Jung, the psychologist. In 1957, he wrote, to a friend in a letter, a friend was named Gustav Schmaltz. He wrote, solitude is, for me, a fount of healing, which makes my life worth living. Talking is often a torment for me, and I need many days of silence to recover from the futility of words. Now, I know the phrase, the futility of words, doesn't exactly fit on a podcast about copywriters, but hopefully you get the point. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. My favorite thing to do when I'm not writing is I like to just go for walks. I'll grab my iPod and I'll listen to an audiobook, usually about marketing or copywriting, or I'll uh, 
one thing that I've really loved doing now that I got an iPhone is I have tons of Kindle books from all the best copywriters. And I just have Kindle read the books to me. And uh, I'll go for a walk, maybe take a hit, a hit or two of some marijuana as I'm walking. And then ideas will just start flooding to me. And then I just use Evernote to speak those ideas, text or speech to text and capture them and um, then go back through them. And uh, yeah, it's important to capture the ideas, but that alone time where it's just me and I'm learning from one of the greats. That's where I get most of my ideas from. So I totally am in line with, with uh, what you were saying and what Sarah was saying. You know, one of the things Sarah said is that sometimes, I mean, she just gets floods of ideas every day. And it sounds like you do with this process as well. She said that she'll know an idea is really good if it keeps coming back. The same idea keeps coming back. I've noticed that too. Have you noticed that as well? Oh, yeah. Some of the ideas. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll be falling asleep and I'll have an idea and I don't remember to write it down. And it's the first thing I'm thinking about when I wake up the next morning. Like, that. All right, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And this time I'll write it down now that I can move my arm and there's some light in the room. All right. So here's the third thing that Sarah suggests. And this one will be like completely sure to some people and to other people it could be controversial the tip is connect really connect so sarah admits that when she got started she didn't have much going for her i mean she wasn't down and out in the street she didn't have people chasing her you know she wasn't a political refugee but she didn't have connections in business she had maybe ten thousand dollars to her name and she could only put $5,000 of that into the business. And that included a website, that included getting a patent, that included trademarking the name of the business. She had to bootstrap a lot of it herself. She didn't have a women's clothing design background. And at the time, she only could identify one skill that she could contribute to her business. It was an important skill. And the skill was she knew how to sell. Before she started Spanx, she had been a door-to-door fax machine salesperson. So she also knew how to handle rejection and had a lot of resilience, but sales was the only skill she could identify. But she also had something else that wasn't exactly a skill that she believed no one else in the women's underwear business had. It wasn't a skill so much as a quality. According to Sarah, everyone else at the time, this was like late 70s, early 80s, everyone else in the business was a man. All men, except maybe for the men who wore women's underwear secretly. She said no one knew how uncomfortable the clothing was. And even those men wouldn't know because it feels different on a man, I would imagine, than it does on a woman. So as far as she could tell, here's the point. No one cared about this. No one cared about how comfortable women's underwear was. If you're a man, you might go, so what? If you're a woman, you go, right. Uh, It it used to be very uncomfortable. You know, think about it. Something you're wearing 16 hours a day. Um, So she cared. Or maybe 24. I don't know. I don't know much about women's underwear. But I know that she cared. She really cared. And she had set a mission for herself. Her mission was not, the mission was not, you know, 
to come up with something she could wear under white pants. The mission was to help women. And I would say helping women feel more comfortable 16 or more hours a day is a pretty good expression of that mission. She cared. She really cared. And she made it known that she cared. Think about it. She didn't spend a penny on advertising for the first 16 years, and she became a giant global company. Uh, today, her privately held company brings in about $300 million a year. That's the power of caring about and, and connecting with your audience. I was talking with a mentoring client yesterday about this show before we recorded it, and he mentioned that Sarah Blakely had been a paid speaker in his mastermind group. He was very enthusiastic about what she had said, and he and I both agreed that in his industry, which is a sector of financial services, he and his company probably are the only ones who care about customers, and if there are others, his company and he care a lot more than anyone else shows. Now, there's the opposite advice that you'll hear in business, okay? There's a guy named Herb Cohen. He's a negotiation expert. And he says, you've got to care, but not too much. And then Harvey McKay warns you not to run your business from your heart or else you'll get heart disease. So there are a lot of people who say, you can't care too much. It's going to kill you. But I believe for a lot of businesses, caring and connecting deeply with your customers is the ticket to big time success. It's a good idea. And it's it's something we're thinking about for your business, whether you're a copywriter or a business owner. Nathan, what thoughts does that bring up in you? Uh, it's just, for me, I want to tie it back to copy specifically. When you really care about the person reading the copy, when you really care about the target market, when you really care about who it is that you're trying to serve, and when you really care about your client, it makes it a lot easier to write actual authentic persuasive copy when you don't care about the the market and when you don't care about the client it's really hard to get the market to care about the client and to care about the solution so for me caring is it's more than just um something that is beneficial it's almost a necessity yeah i think so i mean i remember um there was a copywriter who is also a producer of famous slasher movies named Herschel Gordon Lewis. And he said that, you know, when you're a copywriter, you're like a hired assassin. And it's, it's another point of view. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of other clients I have. It's, you know, it's a theme. Um, we're, we're talking about eight-figure businesses. So it's it's not just, you know, some idealistic thing that does not, you know, intersect with the hardcore realities of business. I mean, there are times when you have to separate yourself emotionally from things, when you can't take stuff too personally. You know, uh, like we were talking about earlier, when someone doesn't like your idea, well, okay, um, they're stupid. That's all right. But yeah, so anyway, um, let's let's review the three tips. and. All today. Here are Sarah's three tips. The first one is protect your mindset. Whether or not you're sensitive to criticism or you think you are. With with protecting your mindset, if you have an idea 
don't share it with someone who's going to try and tear it down until you've thought about it enough and maybe researched enough so you're convinced it's a good idea. If you want to hold on to that idea, be careful. Uh, you know, it's wonderful to be open and vulnerable and authentic, and you can also do yourself in if um, you if an idea is too tender and you share it with someone who wants nothing more than to tear it down. The second thing is is create big ideas, and this is best served by some kind of ritual where you actually, you know, in Nathan told you about his, I don't really have one. I can't stop getting ideas. So I just get them all the time, but they don't seem to get in the way and they do seem to get executed eventually, uh, implemented, not killed. Um, and third, you know, connect, really connect. You got to care. And maybe that's not you, but if if that resonates with you, understand it can be a very successful strategy. I understand that one could be slightly controversial. <laughs> and just a quick note before we're out of here, this episode was not sponsored by masterclass.com. It certainly wasn't. <laughs> but I'm a big fan. I've I've spent a lot of money with them. I've I've probably watched ten classes. I, I certainly love their production values. Their content isn't always I've never seen it as good as it was with Sarah, and that had to do with her, not them. But it always has to do with the presenter, doesn't it? Absolutely. David, another fantastic episode. And if you, the listener, want to check out more episodes, you can head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, and we'll catch you later. See you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. Brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.